Romans seven, fourteen through 25. We read, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that... What I want to do when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see that my members another that in my members another law waging war against the law of my body and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. This is the word of the Lord. How wonderful to see God's work in so uh, many tremendous ways in the lives of his people. Amen? Just fantastic. This morning, we continue in this series called Grace Awakening. Grace Awakening, the series from kind of the middle section of the book of Romans. And as we do, we are looking at a message this morning entitled War Zone. Paul uses the word war himself here in this passage. And so it's fitting that we would use uh, that same terminology to understand this entire message. Uh, Paul pictures a civil war that takes place. You see, uh, there are two kinds of people in the room this morning. There are those who know Christ and there are those who do not. Uh, there are those who believe that Jesus uh, is the Son of God who died on the cross, uh, was resurrected, and those who don't. We're so glad that all of you are here. Uh, what we talk about today uh, will apply to both of you. At the end of the service today, I'll give you an opportunity to trust Christ as your Savior. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'll give you that opportunity. At the end of the service today, also, I will give you uh, an opportunity to walk away from some sin that has entangled you. Because I know that there are believers in the room who struggle with a repeating, besetting sin. Something you wish you could be done with. You wish you would never fall to again. You can recount this cycle of guilt in your life. And you may be here this morning uh, very much aware of how sin has affected you and you feel guilty. I can't tell you when the war today, but we will win a battle. And so uh, Paul talks about this war. Civil wars are costly, uh, the most costly wars, uh, the bloodiest wars. The civil war here that took place in the mid-1800s, uh, more than half a million Americans died in that war. Uh, compare that to 4,400 in the Revolutionary War, 
2,200 in the War of 1812, 1,700 in the Mexican War. The Civil War was the bloodiest war ever fought by this nation with more than 500,000 men losing their lives. It was also the costliest war to date. Uh, They figure up how much wars cost by uh, figuring the gross national product. It is the ability of a nation to produce goods over a set period of time. To give you some comparison of how much different wars have cost, um, the Revolutionary War cost 10% of the gross national product at the time. The War of 1812, 14%. The Mexican War, 4%. Are you ready for this? The Civil War, 199% of the gross national product. It was a costly war. It was a bloody war. And the bad news for believers is that you are engaged in a civil war. And it will be costly and it will be bloody. The good news is... There's hope. The good news is that through Christ you can win the war. That's the good news. Uh, But we have to see the bad news often in order for the good news to be so good. And so let's look at that. Three tactics. Three tactics to win the war. Number one, realize the enemy within. Paul says, I am of the flesh. What does he mean by the word flesh? The flesh is the earthly, sinful nature that all of us possesses. Uh, The flesh, the sinful nature of men and women is what causes us to sin. It is the enemy within uh, with which all of us are born and with which all of us deal until we die. The sinful nature. Paul uh, depicts it rather well in Galatians 5.19. He says, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I would say to you this morning, or I would ask you, since we have been so transparent on this stage already this morning, have any of you in the room this week struggled with anything on that list? Raise your hand. Yes. We struggle with those things. All of us have in common a sin nature, this part of us that longs to, loves to sin. Recently, I was in Winston-Salem at a meeting, and we went out for dinner on the, uh, on a, uh, the Wednesday night. It was the night it snowed uh, a lot, that nice wet snow, and we walked to our place for dinner that Wednesday evening. It had not started snowing in Winston yet, and we were uh, walking back to the hotel when this man approached us, and he asked for some money. He said he needed $4 to buy a ticket to get from Greensboro to High Point. And I was the token preacher in the crowd. 
So everybody just looked at me, and I thought, what am I going to do? So I looked at him, and I just don't hand out money. I'm always concerned of how it might be used. And I said, why don't you, uh, I knew where the bus station was. I said, I'll just walk with you there and buy your ticket. And then I picked out the biggest guy who was with us and said, Josh, come on. And so we trekked down to the bus station, and the guy on the way had to make a pit stop. He saw a guy smoking a cigarette, and he offered him money for it. And I went, hold up. You need money for a ticket? You're buying a cigarette? You know, but the guy gave him one. And we kept trucking and got down to the bus station. It was rather cold. The guy's in his early 40s. He... Uh, introduced himself as we did ourselves, and we began to talk, and, and uh, finally the conversation got to church, and I said, do you attend church, or have you ever? And he said, yes, I go to so-and-so and so-and-so church. I go to celebrate recovery there. Well, I smelled alcohol on his breath. I said, you know, if those folks knew you were drinking, they'd have your head right now. Do you understand? And he dropped his head, and he said, yes. And so then I asked him this question. I said, have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? And he said, yes. And he told me when. So then the nagging question is, why is he still drinking? Right? Why has he returned And so he dropped his head and began to recount his story back into sin. How he got back into the sin that he felt that Jesus Christ had rescued him from. You see, what he didn't recognize is that when he came to Christ, his old sin nature didn't go away. It still desired sin. Now, I've talked to folks who've had an immediate experience where they didn't want to drink again, and they never did. I've talked to folks who never desired drugs again, who never desired uh, uh, sexual promiscuity again in that full-on desire. But I would say to you, in my 20 or so years of ministry, that's the rare story. The normal story is I came to Christ and things got harder. You say, Jerry, you're you're inviting me to follow a Christ that uh, once I do, it could get harder? Yes. That's a tough sell. I know. And, And so finally we had waited for a bus that never arrived. And I said, or Josh said, let's go in and see uh, about the bus, and we did, and when we go in, the, uh, it was about 9 o'clock at this time, 8.39, and the, uh, the person at the window said, oh, the last bus for High Point left at 6.30. And the guy dropped his head. He wanted money for another drink. We told him we'd be praying for him. I had already, and we trekked out. I think verse 15 could fit him. Paul says, for I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. 
when believers sin, this is, this is how we feel. Why did I do that? I must say that if it was okay for Paul to say, I do not understand, it's okay for you and me to say, I do not understand. Paul was uh, trained under Gamaliel, the esteemed scholar of his day, said, I do not understand. Paul, who in all of these places he traveled, almost every single city he visited, he planted a church. The greatest missionary that the uh, church has ever known said, I do not understand. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said, I do not understand. And in a Google-infested age in which we could get information in a few seconds, it's hard for us to say, I do not understand. But there are things that we don't understand. Amen? As a matter of fact, I think I should give you some practice this morning. And so on the count of three, we're all going to say together, I I do not understand. Are you ready? One, two, three. I do not understand. Feels good, doesn't it? Paul said, "I I don't get it. What doesn't he understand? Verse 17, so now it is no longer I who do it. When sin comes and I sin, he says, but the sin, but sin that dwells within me. And I read that for the longest time and thought, Paul, that's such a cop-out. I mean, I mean, what you're saying is, okay, this sin comes, and when it does, well, it's not, it's not me doing it. It's sin in me. Temptation comes, and sin in me does it. But as I learned a little bit of Greek and went back and read it in the original language, I discovered there's a definite article that isn't uh, translated. Right in front of sin, it says, the sin. What does that mean? The sin nature. There is a sin nature, Paul says, living within me that doesn't go away when I come to Christ. And guess what? Your sin nature still likes to sin. Still enjoys sin. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in in me that is in my flesh, my sin nature. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but we might say the sin that dwells within me. Verse 21 again, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Verse 23, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Listen, folks, believer and unbeliever alike have a sinful Nature that enjoys sin, revels in it, seeks opportunity to sin. I love what Robert McGee said in his book, Search for Freedom, which I recommend if you're battling significant sin. He said, a man recently walked into my office. He had a vile beginning to his life. As a child, he could accurately be described as sinful I know this sounds like a harsh description, but my source is totally reliable. He had developed an evil conscience, yet was unaware of this fact. His life was corrupt and deceitful, full of rebellion. His thoughts were evil and lustful. Because of his heritage, it is said he was dominated by Satan. 
What could I do to help this man? Try as I might, I could do nothing, for I was that man. We are that man. We are that woman. Paul says in verse 23, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death, this sinful nature. We've got to realize the enemy within. Number two, we've got to, tactic number two, in this war against sin, we've got to reinforce the ally within. So there's an enemy within, and there's an ally. There's somebody who's fighting for you. Uh, We find the ally mentioned in verses 18, 22, and 23. Uh, 18, I have the desire to do what is right. When you come to God by faith in Christ, you get a new desire set. And your new desire set is to do the right thing. Paul says in Galatians, if any man is in Christ or in 1 Corinthians, he is a what? New creation. Old things are gone. Behold, uh, 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 new things have come. Verse 22, I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Verse 23, he calls it the law of my mind. All right, please hear me. This is why. Because when you come to Christ, you get this new nature, this new person in Christ, and there's the old one that still lives there. This is why the most miserable people on the planet aren't lost people who sin, but saved people who do. Why? When a lost person sins, a lost person sins, and uh, he, he may have uh, just his environment that says you shouldn't do that, but there isn't the Holy Spirit saying don't do that. But when you're saved by the Spirit and you sin, that Spirit convicts you. And you then have this war between your old sinful nature and between this new person in Christ. And you feel miserable. Miserable. So how do you reinforce this ally? Romans 12 verse 2. A renewed mind. You've got to change the way you think. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that then you may prove what God's will is, his good, acceptable, and perfect will. It's a renewed mind. How do I do it? I'm going to give you a prayer and a practice. Now, this prayer is long. It'll be on my blog tomorrow morning. So if you want to get it, just go check out the blog. Go to our website. There's a link to it. Here it is. It comes straight from Robert McGee's work, Search for Freedom. Dear Lord, I believed the wrong thought of, and you named that thought. I hate thinking this thought. This thought is not a healthy one for me. It is against what you want me to think. I want to bring my thoughts in obedience to yours. I also want to think about things that are worthy of praise. Thank you for forgiving me, for accepting this thought that has affected my life so negatively. I now, by my own free will, choose to replace the wrong thought of, name it, with what you want me to think. The next time I think that wrong thought, help me to tell you and change it. Thank you for the truth that sets me free. Some of you 
are bound in sin and your first step out as a follower of Christ is a prayer much like that. Today, you need to step away from the sin that binds you. That's the prayer. Here's a practice. Memorize scripture. All right, so here's my guess. We're in MacDowell County. All right. So MacDowell County, if I'm guessing it would be more country than rock or R&B, but if we were to roll out the top 10 country songs, do you know what I think would happen? You guys would sing them. I think so. I think, I think we'd roll them out and you'd start singing. All right, some of you, I don't even have to mention them. They start rolling through your mind. You know these songs, and so they just start rolling through your mind. You know them, others of you, it may be R&B, and you know the top whatever R&B. So here's the deal. Temptation comes, and it does, and it will. It's a guarantee. You will be tempted. Temptation comes, and the Holy Spirit then says, okay, this is what I know to do. I'll go deep into the heart of this believer and I'm going to go down and I'm going to uh, dive down into the heart of this believer and grab some scripture out. All right, so Holy Spirit does his diving work. Temptation presents itself, dives down into your heart and pulls up a country song. That doesn't much help. I mean, all of a sudden the lyrics are rolling through and you're like, that's not helping me fight this temptation at all. All right, so Holy Spirit's like, ah, country song is not going to do it. So dives down again. When the Holy Spirit dives down again, up comes some R&B thing, you know. Definitely ain't going to help. The Holy Spirit's like, what do I have to work with here? I'm looking for something. I'm looking for some word stored in the heart that can renew the mind. But guess what? We've got so much stuff up here and we don't have his word. Oh, what a blessed gift this is. Amen? What a blessed gift. So the Holy Spirit wants to grab that verse. Grab that verse. Many of you have prayed with us as our son Trent at different times, especially in the last three years, has encountered anxiety. And about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago tonight, out of the blue, here it came. He woke us up. I go into his room, tears streaming down his face so hard he can't even hardly talk. Son, what are you anxious about? I don't know. Son, what's bothering you? Dad, I don't know. So I lay down there beside him on one side. Wendy lay on the other side as the bed is just shaking. As this big, strapping, strong kid is just reeling from unknown anxiety. And the Holy Spirit began to work in that room and all of a sudden began to pour into me and I began to quote Scripture. 
No temptation has seized us except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand, Trent. But in every temptation, he'll make a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but one of wisdom and of love and of power and of a sound mind. Being confident of this, Trent, that the God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Trent, put your name in there. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And as we went through verse by verse by verse, it was like this holy hush settled over Trent. The tears stopped. The calm came. The quiet ensued. And God, through his word, had comforted his kid. Trent's mind needed to be renewed, right? Yours does too. So does mine. That's how the Holy Spirit does that. And if there's nothing in here, he can't bring it out. You say, Jerry, that's That so puts the onus on me, it does. I've got to go do this. You do. You've got to store God's word in your heart. Psalm 119 says that you may not sin against him. Reinforce the ally within. Finally, rely on the victor within and without. Oh, the picture looks so bleak. Paul says at the end of this, Wretched man, verse 24, that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, there's two interesting things that most likely you missed as I read that uh, and as James read it earlier, but the question is huge. It's not what. It's not what will deliver me. Please hear me. Uh, Steps won't deliver you. Uh, Certain things you do won't deliver you. They can help. They can reinforce the ally within. But the reality is, is that the question begs for a person. It says, who will set me free? Who will deliver me? Somebody's got to step in and take care of the sin problem that we have. And someone did. And his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died on the cross. And on the cross, he took all of your sin. He took all of my sin. Sinless Lamb of God, about whom we sang, took our sin on the cross. And when he did, bowing under the disease and the weight of our sin, he he took care of it. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly or to the max. But there's another phrase, the body, this body of death. This is gruesome, but Romans had gruesome practices, and one of those was to take a POW who was still alive And if they wanted to get information out of him, they would grab one of his fallen comrades a dead soldier that he knew 
And they would take that dead soldier and tie him to his comrade who was alive. Not just to drag around behind him. They would tie him nose to nose, knees to knees, feet to feet. And this POW would walk around with a dead man eye to eye to him. It's gross. There was two ways that POW would die. One is the emotional reality that a dead man's body, whom he knew emotionally, would devastate him. Or secondly, the disease of that body would disease his own. This is gross, but the maggots eating that body would eat his own. That's how Paul refers to the sinful nature. It's like a dead man that you look eye to eye, knee to knee, this weight, dead weight you carry around. And Paul says, who will set me free from that? Not what? Steps can't free you from that. Somebody has to come with something and cut the cords. And Jesus Christ did it when he died on the cross and resurrected from the tomb. Amen? He set us free. No longer do we have to walk around with our old sinful man calling the shots Infecting our life, the disease of sin is powerless against the power of the cross. The disease of the sin is powerless against the enemy. Paul says, who will set me free from this body of death? And he answers his question with, thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. He answers it with, it's Jesus Jesus sets us free. So there's two kinds of people in the room this morning. There are those of you who've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And you're bound to your sin. And this morning, you can trust him. I want all of you to grab this connection card right now. And there are two ways to respond at the bottom. One is, for the first time in my life, I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior. I admit I'm a sinner and need Jesus, God's only provision for forgiveness. If you've never trusted Christ to be your Savior, in just a moment, I'll give you that opportunity to pray and do that. Secondly, there are those here today and you've trusted Christ, yet you have sin that is haunting you. And for some of you, it's eating you alive. All you need to say is, I would like a staff member to contact me. And we will.
And let me add this. Somebody in one of our services last week, without a name on the front, wrote about your suicidal thoughts on the back. Would you please, please, I beg you, let us know who you are. Let us know who you are so that we, we prayed for you all week, so that we can do more than our prayers. We'd love to. Would you bow your heads? All heads bowed. No one looking around. This is a personal time. If you're in here this morning and you say, Jerry, I have never trusted Christ as my Savior, but today, if given the opportunity, I will give my life to him today. I want to begin a brand new life with Jesus. I'm not going to single you out. I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you simply just slip up your hand wherever you are so that I can see it, and then we'll pray in a moment. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Anyone this morning? If you're in here this morning and you're in that second group and you've got sin and that sin is wrestling you to the ground and you say, Jerry, I need to be free. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Others, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Any others? And you want to be free. I want to pray. There are some who who got the first invitation delayed by translation. And so we have two who want to receive Christ as their Savior. I'm going to pray a prayer. And then I'll pray for those who are taking the first step out of sin. If you want to trust Christ as your Savior, here's a simple prayer prayed by faith to God. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I am sorry for my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. Today, I trust you as my Savior. Today, I give all of my life to you. Thank you for saving me. You can put your hand down now. And welcome to the family of God. For the rest of you who lifted your hands and you say, Jerry, I 
I've got to get free from this sin. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray now for those who are dealing with a sin. It might be addiction. It may be a relationship that they need to let go of. It could be some things they saw on these cards on the stage. And Holy Spirit, you use that to convict them. I pray that right now this decisive step that they're taking of repentance would result in one of many away from sin. And they would dig into your word this week and reinforce the ally within. Remind them, Jesus, that on the cross you cut the cords to the old sinful nature. Oh, he's there, but he does not dictate. He does not call the shots. He does not control. Thank you for the victory we have in Christ. And all God's people say, amen, amen.